Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. And I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode as we talked with Pastor Tim DeVries about uh, what changed his mind from uh, you know pre-trib to post-trib, what got him away from dispensationalism. And I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, as the recording of this episode, uh, that has not aired, so Pastor Randall has not had a chance to see that, but I'm going to be asking him basically all the same questions that I asked Pastor DeVries. And uh, again, there's no right or wrong answers to this. This is basically just his story and how these things worked. Many people, uh, they want to know what it takes to change somebody's mind on this, especially a pastor, because we typically can uh, be pretty stubborn on some things. But uh, Pastor Randall, like myself, is somebody who uh, has... Uh, changed his mind uh, when it comes to eschatology. And so we're going to hear from him today. And uh, if you've, uh, he, this is his first time on the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I have had him on my other channel before. We've done different interviews. He's preached at our church a few different times. Uh, he hosts the Potluck 100 every year, which is coming up uh, um, actually this week. So uh, the record, the this video is airing on Wednesday. And then I'm going to be preaching at his church uh, tomorrow on Thursday. And then uh, we torture ourselves on Friday, trying to see how far we can go on foot. Uh, I have no intention of making the 100 miles, but I'm going to see how far I can go. So, Pastor Randall, if you want to go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your church. And if you want to do a, a last minute plug for the Potluck 100, go right ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um... I did see that it's going to be right, possibly raining for the first part of it. So uh, we'll be prepared for that. <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to the potluck. It's always fun. Never know what's going to happen. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, none of us are ever properly trained for it. So like we're not setting any records or anything, but <laughs> we get out there and enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, so I'm a pastor here at Iola Baptist Temple and I've uh, been pastor about five years. Before that, I was assistant pastor, and uh, I went to, in uh, 1996, let's see, 1997, I went to Baptist Bible College in Springfield. I, I didn't really, uh, I was in and out of classes, raising a family and, and uh, doing all that, but I was staying really actively involved in my church. And then later on, we moved to uh, Oklahoma City, went to Heartland Baptist Bible College, and same thing, in and out of classes, raising a family, even running a business, but, um, but ultimately working inside the church. And I learned a lot. I uh, loved the people there. Um, you know, didn't have any issues as far as like, and I'm not like a, a rebel or like trying to teach heresy or something like that. Like, like we were all on the same page. And uh, when I came here, to Iola, I started out as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for maybe eight years, uh, working with kids and and everything. And and so when I became the pastor, by that time I had already changed my views on uh, on some things. And so uh, yeah, so about a year after um, becoming pastor, we started to work up in Kansas City. And there was a little bit of an attraction there of just online people watching sermons and stuff like that who are like-minded 
on many things. And so uh, we started that work up there and it's just been growing with families and people that love soul winning and they love uh, preaching and love the church. And so uh, there's a lot of people there very like-minded. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the interview, but people here uh, who have been for many, many years more of a, of a pre-trib mindset have, have, they now know where I stand. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't necessarily say everybody has embraced it, but they know where I stand. They know what I teach and it seems to be uh, okay. <laughs> so anyway. Well, good. Yeah. So again, they, uh, your church is in Iola, Kansas, and then there's the Kansas city mission. So uh, that's where I'll be preaching on Thursday and always enjoy, always enjoy going there. But uh, enjoyed getting to know Pastor Randall over the years and a good friend, good family, good church. But we're going to hear uh, what you have to say just about, you know, that uh, change on these things, because it is it's it's a difficult thing. And so what would you say was the first thing that caused you to consider the possibility that what you believed about end times was wrong? Because fundamental Baptists were always right. We ain't changing. Yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, that's, uh, I have the, we ain't changing mentality. I like that, but <laughs> right. sometimes you need to, you know, sometimes, you know, we're not perfect, but what, what was it that caused you to start considering that possibility? Yeah. So I remember very specifically, um, in Bible college, of course, that was something that I always felt like was way out there, just understanding end times prophecy and, all the prophets really is super intimidating and I just didn't really approach it much. Um, but I wanted to learn it. And so I, you know, I, I knew all the buzz phrases that people say, and, you know, I never watched left behind. I think that was actually after Bible, <laughs> me, me going to Bible college, but I did watch uh, back in like the eighties, there was a thief in the night. Mm. And you remember that there's oh, a couple yeah. of different movies like that. And so, like, I, that was what I grew up learning. Um, but when I read the Bible, there were a lot of things that seemed to puzzle me. But I thought, well, I'm just too ignorant. I don't know. I just don't know these things yet. And people would always give me charts and, and uh, say, you got to talk to this guy or you got to listen to this preacher. Or, or, and, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'm just not smart enough to take all their charts and, <laughs> and really take it in. Like, I know this is what they say is going to happen, but how do they know that? And so I, in Bible college, I took an eschatology class and I was excited. I was like, I'm finally going to get to know why we believe what we believe. And I was so discouraged that in the class, and again, I'm not, this isn't putting down Heartland. I, I'm sure everybody has different experiences. And as I'm about to tell you, I dropped out of the class. And so like, I can't really say what all they, they taught, but I was so discouraged because they handed me like an encyclopedia that of basically like pre-trip terminology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like, there are all these charts and there are all these things that were basically telling the events that are going to happen. And then there would be like all these lists of scriptures, but there was no context to them. And there was no, you know, I didn't understand how did they come up with that scripture as proving this, this point. And ultimately I just dropped out of the class and said, I'll figure it out at another, at another time. But I think that I would say like that was the very first you know, and this is still, like I said, in, in early stages of Bible college, that was probably the first time where I was like, why is everybody teaching this? And it doesn't sound like anybody really knows 
um, why they're teaching it. They just know a handful of scriptures like, hey, this is where I'm supposed to go to prove this point. And and a lot of it seemed contradictory to me. So, yeah, that's interesting because um, I know when I started questioning things on it and I'm reading every pre-trib book I can get my hand on, I'm noticing everyone comes to the same conclusion of pre-trib, but no one got there the same way. I mean, every pre-tribber has their own version and way of getting there. And so uh, nobody had any consistent use of the scriptures. And, you know, you had those that believed it was the rapture of Matthew 24. You had those that said it was absolutely not the rapture of Matthew 24. And so it was just like, you know, what in the world? It's like, which kind of pre-trib am I? That was one of the things I was trying to figure out because I knew it had to be pre-trib. So it was like, what kind of pre-tribber am I? And, uh, you know, yeah, everybody's looking for that consistency and they just they don't have it. And so what would you say were some of the scriptures that really got your attention? Um, You know, maybe the ones that caused you to doubt the pre-trib or to start thinking towards the post-trib. What would you say were the key scriptures? Yeah, so first I want to back back up a little bit. Before I before I left Bible college, um, and I, I never actually graduated. I'm just real short of graduate. I could probably take some online classes and, and graduate, but that's kind of a long story about it. I'm kind of I'm satisfied with where I am right now. But um, there was a guy that was on our bus route. I was working a bus route while I was going to school, and he was careful not to tell people exactly you know, he wasn't trying to teach something different than what the school was teaching, but he w- kind of made it clear that he believed something different on eschatology. And, uh, and I remember when he graduated, they let him graduate, but he couldn't walk the, uh, you know, he couldn't walk with the graduating class and, and he was a little discouraged that they were, you know, it, they weren't necessarily treating him super badly, but you know, he felt like, Hey, they think I'm a heretic. And so like, I, you know, I couldn't sign certain things on the, on the papers or whatever. Now, later I found out that he believed much like I do now. And uh, it's a pretty cool story how, how he came to that, that view. But at the time um, he didn't really get into specifics about what he believed it just caused me, I think, to maybe look with an open mind saying like, Hey, what if, what if I disagree with this? And what if I come to a different conclusion? And I was a little scared about that. Cause I'm like, you know, uh, if I start teaching something or believing something that is different than all my pastors and my, my teachers, then I don't want to be a heretic and I don't want to be, you know, the guy that can't graduate and all this kind of stuff. And so I was kind of trying to avoid it in some ways and just kind of go with the, with the flow. But, you know, there were certain things that jumped out at me whenever I was uh, studying the Bible and anything in times. The first was that everybody always said that, um, you know, he could come at any moment and everything has already been fulfilled. But then that wasn't consistent with what I was reading and what some people were preaching about. Oh, this is a sign of the end times. Like this is going to happen. And it says wars and rumors of wars and and uh, earthquakes in diverse places and famine, pestilence. And, uh, you know, and I just remember thinking like, well, if everybody's always thought like they can come at, at any moment, you know, and, and, you know, the, 
Antichrist is going to sit in the temple, like all these kinds of things are just going through my head. I hadn't really studied them all out, but I'm like, it sounds like there's something still uh, yet to, to come. And I'm noticing verses that make it seem like, hey, the church is going to go through. I shouldn't say the church. Uh, the, you know, the saints are going to go through a time of tribulation that seemed inevitable. And I remember the first time I was considering... And what it was is I was studying that doctrine of uh, uh, perseverance of the saints. And everybody kept going to, you know, he that endureth unto the end will be saved. And I never did understand what that meant. Well, how do we endure to the end? Like, who is this talking about? And uh, and one time I was just kind of reading it in context in uh, Matthew 24. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're enduring to the end of this tribulation. And then they're saved out of that tribulation. Like, like to me, it just it, it, that made perfect sense. And I think that kind of opened my eyes. And I kept holding on to that verse as I was doing my other study. Like, are we going to go through tribulation? And then I started hearing, uh, you know, people break down Revelation and show that well, we go through tribulation only until the seventh seal. When the seventh seal is open, you know, God's wrath's poured out. And I realized as I'm trying to come up with some sort of timeline that the Bible tells us that, you know, this going through tribulation only lasts like three and a half years. And all of a sudden, like this whole debate about like pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, you know, it's like, hey, we're all talking about like three and a half years <laughs> of, of rough times where the church is, again, I said the church, but God's people have always gone through, um, tribulation and they've always gone through rough times why wouldn't we expect that there's going to be another time like that and that seems to match up with what the bible said but i think that one verse you know endure to the end the same shall be saved uh kind of opened my eyes to to you know what i now think that verse means uh, that's good well yeah because i mean the thing is you know most of your you know independent fundamental pre-trib baptists are also eternal security people you know as they should be and so you think, you know, that verse by itself can cause some questions, you know, but and so you would think because it seems like a lot of people use it to disprove eternal security. So you would think most Baptists would look a little deeper into that one and say, like, wait, no, this is referring to a physical salvation from tribulation. So, yeah, that's 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 interesting because uh, I'm amazed at how many people are content and okay with the fact that there are so many scriptures that just, you know, go against their theology in a lot of ways, and they're not interested in trying to reconcile them. It's like, I want to reconcile all scriptures. I don't want to be afraid of any passage of scripture. And I feel like when you're wrong on dispensationalism, eschatology, and all those things, that I feel like these people do, they avoid a ton of scriptures and if if you have to avoid scripture, it's because you're just wrong somewhere. So just fix it. You know, it's okay right. to it's okay to fix stuff. So, um, how long of how long of a process was it from the time that you started kind of having doubts to just fully embracing a different position? So, you know that conversation I had with my friend and uh, that worked on the bus ministry with me was. You know, there was still I was still there in Oklahoma City for a few years after that. And I kind of just put that on the shelf and didn't ever, you know, really think too deeply about it. 
when I came here to be the uh, assistant pastor and youth pastor, um, you know, I remember a few times talking to my wife about, you know, how some things didn't make sense. And, and she kind of agreed like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. But, you know, hey, ask my dad, ask my grandpa, you know, and uh, uh, they give me charts and they'd give me different things. And I'm not, again, not putting them down. Um, I just got to the, I just got the impression that they weren't really ready to give me an answer other than like, Hey, this is what I've been taught. And I don't really have a problem with anybody saying, look, I don't understand these things yet. So I'm just going to go with what I've been taught. Hey, this is what I've been taught. I can totally appreciate that, but it wasn't giving me the answers uh, that I wanted on the, on the issue. So, you know, I keep studying it. And like I said, I, I just, try to mull over like, you know, who's this talking to? And, you know, why are they saying that this is for Israel? Like, it looks to me like this is, you know, New Testament believers and, and, uh, and all those things. So some time went by and actually, um, uh, pastor Anderson, I had met, I went to a, um, I had followed him online a little bit and I, uh, I went to a wedding in Arizona and he and I were both into ultra running or, or to running in general, I guess, and talked about uh, barefoot running a little bit. We had these different articles that we were writing. So we met each other to go for a walk. And I had heard that he had a different view on the tribulation. I think right around that time he had put out a, a, a documentary. But I told myself, and, and he ended up giving me a documentary after I met him. And I told myself, I said, all right, I'm already afraid of changing my view on eschatology, I'm definitely not going to watch this documentary and be persuaded by, you know, somebody uh, that might be deceiving me. Like, I, I really want to see it for myself, and then I'll go watch that documentary and see if we kind of match up. And, uh, and so by this time, we're talking about, man, I mean, maybe six years have gone by since I first originally started saying, I don't think I believe exactly, you know, what's going on here. And I remember after we got back from Arizona and I was going to start going chapter by chapter in Revelation and just really breaking this stuff down. I remember talking to my wife about it and, you know, my wife had that same fear, you know, of like, oh, no, if you if you come up with a different belief, like you're believing something different then everybody's going to be upset and you, you know they're going to call you a heretic and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I think probably probably like seven years had gone by because it was probably like a year before I became the pastor where I really started thinking, okay, I, I think I get where I stand to some degree. I certainly don't have all the answers and stuff I'm still trying to figure out, but where I finally said like, Hey, the model that we've been presented in terms of tribulation saints being the Jews and about, you know, being raptured at any moment, and not having to go through tribulation, like all those things, I, I kind of like renounced those probably a year before uh, I became the pastor. Okay. Yeah. So. It's an, so seven year, that's a, that's a long process. You know, it took me three years, which I thought was long. Uh, pastor DeVries that I talked to yesterday, I believe he said it was like a year and a half for him. So, but, uh, but you know, it is, it's, it, you know, talking to people about this subject, you know, the reality is most pre-tribbers are pre-tribbers because they were told they are pre-tribbers. 
They've not really done the study themselves. They don't know why. Don't get me wrong. Some have. But most of them, that's just what they've been told. And so they just go along with that. But there are, when you start seeing the truth, it's almost like like an itch you start scratching. And eventually, you know, you claw your way through and you get to the truth. And so it is, it's what people need to realize about people that maybe you're, you're in a hurry for them to change their mind on these things. You know, it is a long process and some people just, you know, aren't thinking about it. Maybe they don't want to think about it, but you know, it, it's, uh, just never give up on people. Seven years is a long time, but you know, you came around, so that's good. But, uh, so when, um, so fortunately, you know, you had already got rid of that, uh, you know, when you started pastoring, but you know, have you had any problems in your congregation, uh, teaching post-trib? Not at all. In fact, uh, you know, when I took over as a pastor, our church unfortunately had gotten, uh, to a really small size and, uh, you know, a lot of older folks that had been here many, many years. But, um, you know, I think a lot of them, again, the end times was just something that wasn't really talked about a whole lot. And so I think most people were just like the majority. They're just like, hey, we believe he can, you know, all the things that they've heard their whole life, you know, he can come at any moment. And, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, maybe some of the things about Israel, but I don't think anybody really had any really deep seated uh, feelings about that. Now there was one guy, he was in his nineties and he was our trustee. And, uh, you know, I had just become the pastor and I was just kind of trying to unravel, uh, what exactly, where exactly I stood. And, uh, and I taught this whole I don't remember. I think it was a Sunday school class and I taught the whole thing. I made this little uh, scroll, like a paper scroll, and I had the seals on it. And I went through and just talked about how this is the seal and this is that seal. And after the seventh seals open and then it unrolled and I object lesson and I broke it down, told him exactly what I believe. I even told him a little bit about my testimony and how I came to uh, believe that. And uh, it was interesting because we were getting... Uh, a magazine, I think Zion's Hope or something like that, uh, that, that was sent to the church regularly. And I was surprised to find out that the, the author of that magazine had a post-trib pre-wrath view. And, uh, and so like I was sharing like that, all these like coincidences of people in my life who had, you know, had this view and how it seemed so much more correct than what I had, had learned in school and everything. And I wanted to make a big, I wanted to make it very clear to them, like, hey, we're talking about three and a half years. I'm not turning the Bible upside down on its head. Now, it kind of does in the terms of dispensationalism and the Jews and all that, which, you know, we might talk about here in a minute. But um, but as far as just the timing of the rapture, not that big of a deal. We're going to go through some persecution. Hey, people all over the world, through all generations have gone through persecution. And we can expect that if we're still alive during that time, it's probably going to happen and uh, before the rapture comes. But then we're still raptured out before the wrath of God's poured out. And I, I really was trying to drive that home that I'm not teaching something crazy. And, you know, after I was done, that 90-year-old guy who was very uh, pre-trib and, and really into, you know, loving the Jews and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, I walked past him and he was kind of like, eh, he's like, 
you know, I think there are good people on both sides of the argument. And you made some really good points. And he was like, there's no reason to, you know, <laughs> to be upset about it or anything. And so he was just like totally like, well, fine, you know, you're going to be the next pastor. If that's what you teach. Then, you know, I'm not I'm not going to stop you. And then there was this lady that came up afterwards. She wasn't a member, but she just came from time to time. And and uh, and she was like, she came up afterwards and was like, hey, isn't that what's called mid-trib? Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, I read a book a while back. She's like, and I think I agree with the mid-trib. I have no idea what she read or what she was mm-hmm. talking about. But it, it confirmed to me, like, hey, people aren't, like, going to try to vote and kick me out of here next week because I don't line up on this. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't, it wasn't bad. And then, like I said, in Kansas City, it was pretty much built off of people who, you know, got saved under ministry that 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 taught those things correctly, you know. And so uh, so that's been easy there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about that and just from, you know, talking to different people on this is, like I said before, it's just kind of the default position. And so the thing is. When something is just kind of a default position, but you've not been taught why you believe it that way, you're typically not going to fight for it. And so far, nobody's having problems in their churches when they preach this stuff. You know, now, and they do, now they do with preachers, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But, but at the same, so that's a good thing. Nobody's fighting this. But you know what? I think this is one of the reasons, too even when it comes to areas where the Baptists are right, most people are baptism by immersion after salvation, because that's the default position of Baptists. It's all they've ever known, but they've not been taught to defend it. Their eternal security, because that's what Baptists believe, but they've not been taught to defend it. And that's why I think it's important in every doctrine. We teach our people, not just this is our position, but this is why this is how we came to that conclusion that way they will fight for it. That way they will stand strong on it. And I think that's why you see too many, so many people too fine with their churches changing away from King James. They've not, they've not been taught why. And so we're kind of getting lucky on the, po- on the pre-trib stuff. They haven't been taught the why on that either. It's just been like a default position. Now, while I believe we can defend eternal security King James only and all those other things you can't defend pre-trib. And that's why I think a lot of preachers just avoid it for the most part, but it is, it's, it's a, it's a strong political thing. And so while you didn't have any problems in your church, have you had any problems uh, with preacher friends by being post-trib? Yeah. So, so because I was a youth pastor for so long, you know, I, I had, some friendships already with pastors and uh you know there are a few people that i had talked to that kind of already knew before i became a pastor that i was second guessing some of those things and at the time it since it wasn't public and out there and hey you know he's teaching something different you know um nobody seemed to have a problem with it and right before my ordination um which you know, I was ordained kind of like a pretty common way that the new I've, I mean, the, uh, the independent fundamental Baptists do, um, where we had like a board of like-minded mm-hmm. pastors that we invited up and people that I knew and, and, you know, great men that I thought highly of, like we had all those come and that the church knew. And 
I had talked to one of these guys who knew he already knew my position on these things. And, uh, to some degree, I mean, we hadn't talked real deeply about it, but he knew kind of where I was coming from. And I said, what am I going to do in my ordination? You know, if they ask me about that, uh, I'm not going to lie, obviously, but at the same time, I didn't feel like it was something that should scare them, you know, into not ordaining me. So the interesting thing was, and this is what the, that friend of mine said, he said like, well, they're going to ordain you. They're going to ask you questions and all this based on what your articles of faith say. And I said, well, I realize that. And the thing is my articles of faith say nothing about pre-trib or anything like that. It just says that we're pre-millennial. And, uh, and, and I agreed with everything, the way it's written in our articles of faith. I agree with that. And so basically what we decided was like, just answer those questions that they ask you to the best of your ability. And it was never asked, you know, are you pre-trib? You know, so I just, I just kind of kept it pretty simple, but uh, explained to them, you know, that about the millennial kingdom and, you know, we're going to be raptured before that comes and God's wrath is going to be poured out. I mean, I, I, you know, there were certain things I was, I was saying, realizing that all the guys I was talking to were, were pre-trib. And some guys later on find, found out that I had renounced uh, pre-trib and that I believed that before the ordination. And they got really upset because they thought that I was uh, um, kind of lying or keeping it a secret, whatever. <clears throat> Which is, you know, it, it was probably two weeks after being a pastor that I sat down and told everybody where, you know, where I stood on that in case, you know, to give people a chance. Like, hey, I want to make sure you know this and, uh, and, and where I'm coming from. I didn't think it was something I had to dig into deep with all these pastors who were just recommending me to be the pastor of, of the church. And, uh, and, you know, the pastor, the pastor before, who's my father-in-law, you know, I had talked to him a little bit. He kind of knew where I was coming from, but I I think he just kind of thought I'll figure it out eventually. Like, you know, (laughs) like I haven't come to agreement with pre-trib, but, but I'll come to. So anyway, it was just kind of kept from some of the men on the ordination. And so once they found out, and, uh, and of course, I already mentioned, you know, Pastor Anderson and having listened to some of his stuff and being a friend of his. And so people were finding that out, too. So all of a sudden they were linking all this stuff to me. And I said, hey, I will talk to anybody about what I believe on any of these topics. You know, you don't have to connect me to anybody. Just ask me what I believe and we'll talk about it based on the Bible. But it didn't work. Everybody started uh, calling each other's each other, saying, "Hey, don't you know? Don't ever take up a preaching invitation out there, and don't have him come." And and I heard through the grapevine that these phone calls were being made. And uh, so, yeah, in some ways, I was kind of denounced, if you will. Uh, everybody's still kind of friendly to me whenever they see me, but not very happy that that I changed on that thing. And, uh, and it's really silly because every time I've talked to any of those people who've challenged me, like, you don't believe that, you know, I've tried to explain to them what it is, I believe, and how it differs from what they believe. I've never had one of them give me a good explanation of why they're pre-trib. A couple of them have been like, okay, well, that's not that bad of a thing, but still, you know, you, you said that you were, (laughs) you know, you're, you're not in our group though, because you don't believe that, but but some of them like even acknowledge like, Hey, that's not that, 
that bad of a, of a position. And then others, uh, you know, I had a few pastors that are like, you know, Hey, you don't have to try to convince me. I'm not changing. Just, just like you said, mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not changing. I'm too old to even change. I remember somebody saying that, which really bothered me. Cause they're like, I'm too old to change. I believe this for that long. Like I'm not changing on that. And I'm like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't say this to his face, but I remember thinking like, man, that's a dangerous place to be in. Like if you find out something in the Bible differs from what you've been teaching, I don't care how old you are. You should be willing to change that, you know, in my opinion. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it hasn't been a huge problem, uh, for our church, but I feel bad for our church members who have other friends and other like-minded churches who might be getting some kind of sense of like, Oh, your pastor's, you know, pastor Randall, you know, and he doesn't teach this or that. And, you know, I, I just leave it in the Lord's hands. Yeah. Well, the, it is a, one of the things that happens to everyone. And I mentioned this when I was talking with pastor DeVries, there was a time when if I would, if somebody would have told me they were post-trib, I probably wouldn't have fellowshiped with them. Because I did not understand the issue or even why that's a big problem. I, it was just successfully demonized, you know, we're, we're real good at like demonizing positions, certain words, but we're not always good at explaining why. And it is, it's a very powerful thing when you grow up in church and you listen to preachers telling all these horror stories about this preacher that went bad and he compromised and his life is a wreck. You don't want that to be you. And, you know, and so we often attribute, you know, this person's life just being destroyed by really small things. But the reality is when you actually study out the issue, it, it you clearly can figure out why it's not something people should break fellowship over. And so this yeah. the overreaction that you get from people, it it does it it shows their ignorance of the subject. And so, you know, people can look at you and it's like, well, you know, you should have let people know, you know, where you were and all that. But again, because you had studied it out, you understood, ah, this isn't, this isn't really that big of a deal. Let's not make it a big deal. And so, um, you know, there, there is no, and so that's how it was for me. Once I actually studied it out, I'm like, yeah, you know, this isn't something that we should break fellowship over the fight in Paul's day was over whether or not there would be a resurrection of the dead and a little return of Christ. Well, pre-tribbers, mid-tribbers, post-tribbers, they're all on the same page with that. So, so it's not that big of a deal. So then once I came to that conclusion, I realized, Hey, I overreacted to this stuff. You know, I just, I didn't take into consideration. Other people have still not studied this out. Therefore they will have the overreaction too. you know, people who are a lot more, you know, influential and more powerful than I am too. And so I saw a lot of that and it was, it was shocking yet. It wasn't shocking. You know, I, I knew I'd probably get some grief, but it was actually worse. It was a lot worse than I thought it would be, but you know, but so now, you know, you've been teaching this for a long time. Um, you know, do you, are, are, are you able at this point to still, fellowship and do you you know do you get along with pre-tribbers for the most part yeah i mean i've had uh i've had guys preach uh for us and both here and in kansas city um you know as long as as long as 
we're right on salvation and the kind of like the main, the, the main uh, doctrinal things like this, that hasn't been an issue. I always sit down and try to explain to them a little bit where I'm coming from, just so they're not shocked if, mm-hmm. you know, if they start preaching something that they think that I believe and, and everybody looks at me or something like that, right. <laughs> you know, but uh, it hasn't been a problem if, to me at all. Like, Good. Uh, you know, I've had them come like I think they feel a little uncomfortable just because like the some of the uh, rumors of mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know if I should be preaching here or, or if I'm going right. to lose friends or what. And like, I feel like that. I could be wrong, but I feel like they feel like that. But but, you know, yeah, mainstream, like there's not a lot of preachers that I could call to come here for conferences mm-hmm. or something like that. But I've had some guys who are just friends who come out to. uh to preach and yeah, I, I get along with, you know, to me, that's not a, that's not a huge issue. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And the only reason I would ever even mention it to most preachers is because I don't want to put them in a situation where they feel like they're compromising or yeah. to, you know, just because, you know, I I'm vocal about these things. I don't want them to like be shocked and surprised. You know, if it's something that they would be yeah. uncomfortable with, <clears throat> I don't want to make them uncomfortable but it's, you know, yeah, but I, I don't have any problems with that. But one thing too, I almost forgot. I wanted to cover too, though, on this subject, uh, what did you come around on first? Was it the subject of the rapture or the Jews or was it kind of a package deal? I would definitely say the rapture because I still had in my head, um, everything I had been told about the 144,000 and about the tribulation saints and all these Jews and oh, what's going on in, in, uh, the middle East right now. And, and I think, uh, I was just as puzzled and scratching my head as I was on the timing of the, of the rapture. But, um, I think I just kind of let that go for a little while and said, I'll try to figure that out later. I would definitely say that the rapture thing came up first. Hmm. Now, what I did find out that, in some ways, I think it, it is a package deal in the sense that once you start, once you start going down that road and seeing what it's saying and saying that that's not about the Jews, well, then you realize how the pre-trib doctrine was like created by people who were, you know, kind of Zionist. At least that's what it looks like, and so they have to interpret all that. So it kind of like it does. I can see why guys who were saved in a in a church that believes like me how they get frustrated when they listen to their pastor you know and i of course would never tell someone to leave a church because of that but i can get it i, I understand why they get frustrated because they're like what is he talking about why is he like making it about the jews and why is he you know he got to bless the jews and and all that and they're they don't understand where, where that comes from but i think it's just been like something that's been interwoven for so many years into that doctrine that, you know, I, I will, I, I kind of like, it, it was kind of like the, the final straw, if you will, of just totally changing over when I realized, Hey, they're wrong about that, about the Jews. And so therefore that's where they came up with all these other, mm. all these other views. And uh, yeah. So my first, my first uh, understanding of these things, I think, was with the rapture and acceptance of, of that. And then I slowly started realizing, like, 
who, at least who I believe the 144,000 are. And, and it was just like, Hey, this is total nonsense. What's been taught out there for so many years. And I'm talking about really good guys and smart guys and spirit filled guys that love the Lord who've just gotten off on that and are, are wrong, uh, on teaching those things. I'm quite certain about that. And so like, you know, it's a, it is a package deal, but I, I think in many cases, it is like talking to a brick wall. They're like, mm. no, I'm not going to, ch- I'm not going to change on that. And so like, okay, well, let's just get along on all the other things that we agree on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. You know, what's what's funny about that is post trivers who used to be pre-trivers, we have zero issue fellowshipping with pre-trivers, but I, and, and I think it's because we come from that world. We understand their minds and we understand how it is very possible to be a very good person who loves the Lord, loves the scripture while being, you know, wrong on eschatology. But I, I do notice that people who've never been taught that stuff and been taught right, they're often pretty hostile, you know, towards the pre-trippers. Like, how can they feel that yeah. way? And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I, I've experienced this several times and it's always funny. Um it's like sometimes when you, when you talk to someone who is not from the pre-trib world and they have only been taught the truth about this and you're trying to tell them, hey, don't be hostile towards the pre-tribbers. And then they're like, well, you know, what do they say about this? And then, and then when you start answering for them, you know, and trying to explain it to them, you realize just how stupid the teaching is and how stupid some <laughs> right. of the uh, ways they interpret certain scriptures are. And it's just like, yeah. so it's like, you're trying to tell them, Hey, they're not heretics. They're not bad people. But then when they're like, but then how can they say this? And then you're explaining it and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and if it wasn't for the fact that we were there at one point, right. I can kind of see why they're as hostile as yeah. they are. And it's like, and they, they need to not be that way. And so I'm hoping maybe too. These, you know, some of these interviews, these people who have been taught, right, will watch and they'll have some patience, you know, I just like I want pre-trivers to have some patience with the post-trivers. I want the post-trivers to have some patience with the pre-trivers because I do believe they're, I do believe they're good people and, you know, they, they're not people we need to break fellowship with. But uh, what, what advice do you have for those who are frustrated, you know, maybe because their pastor still hasn't come around on this subject? Well, I mean, again, if I'm if I'm talking to the person who grew up with a pre pre trib view and has changed their mind on that, I think it's important just to remember that hey, that was us before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, there's it's frustrating, but you know, maybe just patience. Like like I said, you know, seven years. Like I, it wasn't it wasn't really seven years for me to turn around because I did, I just didn't study it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to be confronted with that, but it took seven years from like the first thoughts of like, I don't, I don't know about all this, like to actually studying it and, and figuring it out, but it was kind of a slow process. And so, you know, I think we just need to realize that some people, they just, you know, they don't really want to dig down that far They're They don't want to take the risk of, of, you know, making their pastor mad or, or, um, losing friends and fellowship and all that. So I'd say definitely to that group, just be super patient. And remember like you didn't always believe that you didn't always know. In fact, you know, I would also always advise that, Hey, we're still learning and growing. And, and, 
You know, I don't think I'm going to ever go back to that view, but there could very well be some more views that I'm like, hey, I haven't considered that aspect of, mm. of this all yet. I'm still trying to figure this this out. But it's just like in my mind, I'm like, well, I know it's not that. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so somebody who, um, somebody who maybe got saved, got into church, you know, in a view that's more like ours or whatever that I'd be more in agreement with. Uh, you know, if, if they're in a situation where they're in a church that, you know, the pastor's not there, I think I would say like, Hey, don't, it's, it's real easy to make a prep, make a pastor feel like you're attacking him. And so like, if you first thing you want to do is go challenge him on that mm -hmm. and uh, make it sound like, Hey, I can't be a part of your church. If you're going to believe that. Most of the time, they're going to just say, okay, hit the road then, because yeah. <laughs> like, they don't really want to have that that anyway. And uh, and then you, don't, you, you want them to have trust in you. You don't want them to feel like, hey, this person is trying to infiltrate, and he doesn't agree with me. He's going to start teaching everybody something different than I do. And then it's like every message starts getting directed at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they know that you don't agree with them. So, uh, And I've seen guys in that situation, and they get so frustrated because they're like, the preacher's always saying this stuff, and I know he's wrong, but he's saying it because he thinks he's going to change my mind or whatever, but I don't, you don't want that preacher's whole ministry to be like trying to correct you or something. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. I, I think just kind of just maybe don't make a big deal about right. it. Right. Yeah. They should pastor and just, yeah. The pastor should never feel like you're giving them an ultimatum. Like yeah. agree with me on this and you've got this much time to do it. Otherwise yeah. I'm leaving the church, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and we've, you know, we've, we had somebody that came to our church years ago who, you know, they believed in the flat earth and, you know, and, and blessed our hearts, you know, uh, you know, we still loved them and all that. And, you know, we talked about it and we disagreed and, you know, and I could tell there was always a part of them that hoped I was going to come around and, and, you know, and, um, I could always tell they were somewhat disappointed in me because, I wasn't coming around on that, but it's just like, I'm sorry, I wasn't coming around and, you know, we were always able to get along, but then, you know, I, I did get pretty upset, you know, one time when they, uh, they felt like when they told me that they felt like I was not switching to flat earth because I, of the political pressure. And it's just like, like okay, <laughs> first off, I think I've proven I don't give into political pressure. Right. Do you ever think maybe I just disagree with you? <laughs> and, you know, and, and again, even with the eschatology, sometimes it's political pressure. It is. Sometimes they just disagree, you know, and, and you got to be OK with that. And so, you know, and it was and it, you know, and eventually, you know, this person had all kinds of issues with me. And, I, it, you know, I will always be convinced that it was because I I never agreed with them on their flat earth doctrine. And, you know. People, what they need to do is, especially when you go into a church that was already pre-trip, you should never give the pastor an ultimatum. You don't go in there with the goal of changing him. You know, you can let him know your position and, you know, and then, you know, ju and just pray. But either either way, you know, if you can't handle the fact that he's not post-trip, then you just probably shouldn't even be in that church. You can't just be sitting around there keeping pressure yeah. on him, waiting for him to change you know, I, I think that's a, I think that's a terrible attitude and, um, it, it's not going to accomplish anything, but, right. uh, but yeah, so I think that's, you know, good yeah, advice. And if I, and if, and if I got somebody that started coming to our church that I knew was like that at another church, 
like even if we're in agreement on that doctrine, I'm thinking in my head, like how long before there's another issue that mm-hmm. they treat me that way, you know? So like we got to understand that nobody's going to have the exact 100% views and convictions that, that you have. And so, mm-hmm. you know, raise your own family <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and bring them to church. And like, if you don't agree, like teach your, teach your family where you differ and don't make a big deal about it. And, mm-hmm. Keep serving the Lord. No, that's a good point, because anybody that would, like, cause division in a church over something like that, uh, they obviously don't have their priorities right. They have some major character flaws. They don't understand uh, proper authority. They don't understand church authority. And so they're go- even though they're right on eschatology, they're going to carry over all of those personal flaws in their life to your church, and it will create a problem somewhere. For sure, with you know, there's there's absolutely no doubt about it. But and so this next question, you know, this is purely an opinion question. I'm not asking to make make a prophecy or anything like that. But but in your opinion, do you think that the eye of the independent fundamental Baptist world will continue to remain mostly pre-trib, or do you think this is something that's probably going to die out in the near future once certain key popes are out of the way? Man, it's hard to even know what the what the future holds for independent Baptists, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for for a long time, I think I was under the impression that, hey, it, like you said, when some of these some of these guys pass off the scene who have been teaching that, like I don't think the next, especially when it comes to like hyper dispensation type, you know, teaching. I don't think the next generation is going to embrace that. But now I'm seeing these young guys who are like, uh, like trying to bring back those old, those old things. And then, like you said, with the, you know, just for an example, like the flat earth that you brought up and all these kind of things, people were just holding on to all kinds of stuff. And so like, I don't know, I suppose mm-hmm. the fact that we're independent and that nobody's writing, you know, what it is that we're supposed to believe I, I would say like there's probably always going to be a whole plethora of, of different views out there. And I, I think pre-trib will probably hold on, mm-hmm. as, but hopefully, hopefully those who have renounced that will be accepted as well as, as independent Baptists and not like, Hey, you need to take the name Baptist off because you're not, well, man, you don't know the history of, of Baptist then mm-hmm. because they didn't all believe that you know, right. uh, historically. So, yeah, that's true. So, uh, who are some of your favorite pre-tribbers? Do you have any favorite pre-trib preachers that you like? You know, I, I've, I've never really been, um, as far as guys that are hardcore prophecy teachers. No, and I don't mean that like, I, I don't mean that like, because you, oh, like you like their pre-trib yeah, teaching, yeah. but just like yeah. preachers that you love and respect, you learn from, but they happen to be pre-tribbers. Sure. Yeah, well, again, the amount of time I spent at Heartland and going to uh, Southwest Baptist Church, like Brother Sam Davison's always been a uh, huge influence in my life. And, you know, even now I, I would sit down and talk with him and I wouldn't I wouldn't be a jerk about it or anything like that. But, you know, I don't that wouldn't make me think any less of him that I disagree with him on that subject, you know, uh, but but he's a very wise man and filled with the Holy Ghost and. I always feel like when I listen to his preaching or when I used to sit down and get counsel from him that, Hey, you know, he's, he's heard from God, 
but that doesn't mean because everybody can do that and still be wrong on some issues. So it doesn't mean because a man's righteous and he loves the Lord and he's filled with the Holy Spirit that he's not that, that he's never going to be off on certain doctrines. Mm. Like we're, there's no way any of us are ever going to be lined up perfectly on everything. Like we're always learning and growing and conform. So anyway, but he's he's always every time someone asks me who's your favorite preacher, like it's always Brother Sam Davis, and he just had such an influence on my life. Yeah, I've I've. I, I, I've never been close to him personally. He visited our church. You know, he was passing through last year, and I was thrilled to see him. I've always had a ton of respect for him. And, yeah, and he's somebody, if I had a chance to sit down and talk with him, I would just be listening. I yeah. would I would love, because I can tell you right now, he's got a lot more he could teach me than I could teach him, you know. and But ultimately, yeah. my loyalty is a scripture. It doesn't mean I'm just going to... Right go along with whatever he says, but I have no doubt there's an enormous amount that I could learn from somebody like him. And I even asked him to preach. He, he didn't want to, he was, it was like right before yeah. church, yeah. but I, I, I would have let him in a heartbeat and I'd have been thrilled. I was, I was just glad to have him at the service, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think he's, uh, I think he's definitely a good example of one, but well, Hey, I definitely appreciate you doing this. Do you have any final yeah. remarks for the audience? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think I want to mention that this, I think what you're doing here with this podcast is really cool. Like, I, I don't know how you find the time to do, it seems like you're uploading something every day. Uh, so I've still got a lot to listen to, to go back and catch up on, on them, but I think you're doing a good job. And I mean, I feel a little bit, uh, like unworthy to be interviewed, but this is right up my alley. Cause I can give you my testimony, but, uh, but man, there's some of those uh, conversations get super deep. Yeah, well, I said I but, I I enjoy it. It's not easy. I, I'm I'm I keep saying I'm going to slow down putting out content, but I'm having a tough yeah. time stopping. I'm just <laughs> right. I do I do enjoy doing it, and and uh, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I recommend I recommend people listen to it because I think they can learn a lot, and I think most importantly, you're you're teaching a spirit of you know, Hey, be willing to listen to other people and Bible's our final authority. So, right. And yeah. And let me just put out a reminder to everybody while I talk a lot about this, I am, I'm ultimately about advancing the conversation in certain areas. I recognize my limited knowledge in many areas on eschatology. Um, I, I do not think I am, I know at all when it comes to the subject. Here's what I do know is that, uh, I do know that what the preachers are teaching is just dead wrong and flawed on many levels. And I do think even in our post-trib world, there's a, I, I think there's so much more that we have to explore. And I just want to get people talking about these things. I, I feel like dispensationalism, the pre-trib doctrine, these are brick walls that if you can bust through them, you're going to just find these just worlds of scripture and great teaching that that there is left to explore but if you're married to these errors you're just not going to grow and i do i just i want to keep growing i want to keep learning and so i'm willing to talk i'm willing to, i'm willing to be challenged and i'm willing to change something if i need to that's and so that's kind of uh, that's kind of why i'm doing this i definitely do not see myself as any type of guru but i am somebody who I have the ability, I have the unique ability to admit I'm wrong. And I also have the unique ability to handle 
being challenged without it, right. you know, make me foam at the mouth. And so I, I welcome right. it because if I got something wrong, I want to correct it. So, right. But well, hey, Amen. again, appreciate you. Looking forward to uh, getting out there and enjoying yeah. the, the the fellowship and and the potluck one hundred. And so, if you live anywhere around Kansas City, yeah, Thursday seven o'clock, uh, Iola Baptist. Yeah, what's that? October thirteenth. October thirteenth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, at the Iola Baptist uh, Kansas City Mission, uh, we'll be there and. Uh, Make sure you check out Pastor Randall's uh, YouTube channel. I'll leave a link in the description. And so appreciate everyone joining us today. And we will see you all next time. God bless.